This is Nobody Likes Casey McLean, with your host, the one and only person who thinks this podcast should exist, Casey McLean. Hey, this is Nobody Likes Casey McLean. Uh, what's a good, what's a good promo line? Or catchphrase for this the podcast you love to hate. Maybe that's it. I don't think that's it. This is Casey McLean, and uh it's the first episode of this podcast, which is exciting. It's it's uh this podcast is unfortunately a long time in the making. I uh I started recording interviews for this podcast in February. Um I have an interview recorded with Chris Ballou, who was formerly the lead singer of the President of the United States of America. He became Casper Baby Pants. Uh, I was going to release his episode as episode one of this podcast on April 1st. And then uh, the world turned upside down, as we all know. And uh, it sounds like the... Am I singing... The theme song to uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. The world changed a lot, and so I didn't post that, and I had I had another interview recorded with uh, Adam Posse that would be extremely dated now for a couple reasons. Uh, one of them was I presented, <laughs> I presented a poll to him that I saw at another comedian post that uh, he disagreed with me on vehemently, but... Um, that would be pretty insensitive in today's world. Oh boy, maybe one day, uh, like a Patreon that could be on a Patreon that lost that lost episode. Uh, we just got to remember that it was from before, uh, March, April, and May of 2020 that I recorded it. Um, but thank you guys for listening. It's uh. The guest today is Gabriel Rutledge. He's a great friend of mine. Uh, one of the, I would consider him a comedic mentor. I call him Seattle's Dave Attell uh, more often than maybe he's comfortable with. Today, as I record this, yesterday, as you listen to it, he released an album called Good Luck in Court. It reached number one on iTunes. We did it, everybody. We did it. I feel a sense of accomplishment because I was uh, involved in the post-production, I think, in the uh, the condolence giving part part of he talks on this uh, on this interview about how um, difficult it was to get this recorded well, and I was uh, <laughs> three times on the giving condolences end as the as the the album didn't get recorded the way that he planned, uh, and then I became emotionally invested and uh, sent. I didn't actually go record. But uh, I sent Gabe with a whole bunch of equipment of mine to Spokane, Washington, where he recorded it. And then I mixed it and uh, edited it and all that stuff. So very exciting. I love Gabe Rutledge. He's, uh, he's a, great, a great guy, great comic, uh, the best comic in the Northwest, no doubt in my mind. Um, yeah, so I, had my, I have a daughter. If you're if you're new to me, I have a a daughter. She's ten months old, and I had my first Father's Day, 
and my birthday. I'm one of the many people who I'm not a big birthday guy. Uh, I think like three out of my last four birthdays, I've been doing stand up on my birthday. And it's because I don't care about my birthday at all. Uh, any celebration on my birthday is kind of, in my opinion, for the people that love me uh, to feel good or whatever. It's not something that I care about all that much. Uh, and then I'm not even like a big gift receiver, but this year my wife, she bought me a smoker and grill. Very exciting. Maybe the best gift I've ever gotten. It's a master built gravity series 560. I'm going to talk about this thing so much that they're going to have to give me a promo code. Uh, wonderful grill burns charcoal and wood. I love barbecue. I hate paying $19 a pound for brisket that costs $4 a pound to buy just the meat. So I've been, uh, I've been learning, I've been learning how to smoke stuff, some successes, some failures. Uh, my first, and it's a really cool, uh, we can get into the, if you ever care, we could get into the technical reasons why this is a really cool and technologically advanced grill. I love kitchen shit that takes a lot of the guesswork away. Big fan. And, uh, this does precisely that. So. I first get it when you buy it you have to you have to season it is what they call it you put oil on all the all the important surfaces uh run it at a certain temperature to burn off the oil and also the lubricant that's in the the grill to put it all together and then uh i seared steaks on it first night this this thing is a charcoal grill that can hold temperature below 200 degrees which is lower than i will probably ever need it and also can sear at 800 degrees very hot uh i've never seen a grill that has that kind of temperature range and that kind of control and uh first night goes fine sear a steak beautiful reverse sear big fan of the reverse sear uh then i smoked meat 11 times i got this grill about three weeks early for my birthday um through three weeks before my birthday my birthday is june 11th uh, Father's Day, I think, was June 18th this year. I don't know. Unimportant. So it's a combined Father's Day, birthday present, smoke, smoke meat. I smoke meat uh, 11 times. No, 10 times after that initial searing of the steak and smoking some chicken at the same time. Smoke meat 10 times. And then I reverse sear uh, a tri-tip, which is a, a piece of beef. And I had, this is the stupidest thing I've ever done, outdoor cooking. And I've done some very dumb things. I've learned, a, I'm a decent cook. I've learned it all through fucking up considerably. Uh, there's a, a drip tray and a grease pan on this grill that's super easily accessible to clean but you have to clean it. And this grease pan had 10 smokes worth, which includes uh, two pork butts, seven racks of ribs. Some of this is obviously being done at the same time. A chuck roast, a, uh, a, um, a couple, like a, a, another reverse seared steak, multiple cooks in here, but there's all this grease built up from all of these cooks and you're cooking at such a low temperature that you don't uh 
run the risk of igniting that animal fat. <laughs> so there might be some of you that are ahead of me on this, but I reverse sear my tri-tip by starting out at low temperature, get it up to the internal temperature I want, then I'm going to put a nice sear on it so I pull it out of the smoker slash grill, uh, crank it up to 700 degrees, and there are flames in there, which isn't, I mean, 700 degrees, you're going to expect some flames. And even when it was a uh, a fresh grill, there were some flames in the heat manifold in it. So I wasn't like, initially was not super concerned about the flames. But what I noticed is this grill was climbing in temperature very quickly. Uh, I found out that this Masterbuilt Gravity Series 560 errors out and shuts off at 780 degrees. And I also realized this thing while this grease pan is a convenient thing to have in this grill. When the grill is on fire, the grease pan is operating as a fuel tank and not a convenient receptacle for waste. And so I... uh I ended up throwing the tri-tip back onto it while I was desperately trying to put out the flames. It was a pretty scary 20 minutes. I uh, My neighbors could not have been happy with me. There was a lot of smoke that was billowing into their yard, and it wasn't the good uh, wood smoke or charcoal smoke. It was, yeah, it was pretty gnarly. It was, I mean, burning animal fat, right? Uh, you can check out my Instagram. I have pictures of that tri-tip. It got... A little more charred than I than I had intended. So, um, all right, this is a. I just did an intro, the very first intro of this podcast. Like I said, there's a Patreon for this podcast. Uh, the Patreon's going to have a lot of stuff on it. It will have full length interviews. I talked to Gabe for about an hour, a little over an hour, about his album, about uh, the future of comedy, what Zoom shows were like for him, etc. On the Patreon, there are both video and audio of that full-length interview. So if you're a person that uh, wants to watch a video, which I've never understood these people, but when there's video of a podcast, it'll be on that Patreon. Um, and when there's just audio, if you just want to hear audio, there will be that version of it too. Also, ad-free. Uh, there's going to be some ads on this podcast. Let's uh let's pretend like this podcast has an enormous listening that's going to have a uh, listenership that's going to have a lot of ads. There will be ads on this podcast, but on Patreon you will get an ad-free version of the podcast. And I've created a lot of extra work for myself and commitments, so I'm going to be pumping this Patreon pretty hard. Uh so please go sign up. It is patreon.com/thecasymclain. There's going to be some other stuff going up on there also, uh bonus shit Q and a, uh, priority Patreon only stuff. Maybe, I don't know. People like to hear their name shouted out on podcasts. Sometimes maybe that'll be a tier or a, a perk that you can choose. I don't know why you would want that either, but I will do it. If you'll give me five, it's five bucks, uh, for a lot of stuff. So thank you, um, for tuning into this first episode. We're going to come across, we're going to, uh, the other thing that happened, by the way, I'm in a, I think everybody's feeling this right now, so I'm not I'm not trying to gain, gain any sympathy. I'm just relating to people, which is I have more anxiety in my life right now than maybe I've ever had in my entire life. Uh, 
I'm not a naturally super anxious person. I would say I'm obsessive, but not anxious. And just last night, I like at the beginning of the, the pandemic, every night I couldn't get to sleep. I'd be just pouring through COVID data um, till two in the morning. And then I'd wake up at six in the morning and I'd turn my computer back on, look at it all day at various points. And then I had like a three week break where I just couldn't take any more data. And I checked back in a couple weeks ago and things just have gotten worse since then. And last night was the first time I think I've re-experienced the anxiety. And I woke up, couldn't get to sleep until about uh, 1230, woke up at 115, couldn't get back to sleep until four o'clock. No idea why. No specific event happened, just general anxiety. And so I was excited. I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to get a good night's sleep, be very energetic on the podcast. And here I am. Uh, I feel like I'm giving everything I have. I'm leaving it all on the field. But all right. Thank you for listening. Please enjoy Gabe uh, after a word from our sponsor. Hey, this is the Nobody Likes Casey McLean podcast. Please check out my stand-up dates at thecaseymcclain.com. Also, follow me on all social media at thecaseymcclain. Check out stand-up clips and videos of mine at youtube.com slash caseymcclain. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. Anchor is where I host this podcast. It's where the file sits. It's also a great place if you want to start a podcast where you can record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When you're hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast to all the listening platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, whatever you're listening to this podcast on, you can get your podcast to that platform very easily. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Gabriel Rutledge is a 20-year stand-up comedian who has been on Comedy Central, Amazon Prime, and who released an album called Good Luck in Court on June 30th. He has a podcast called The Rutledges with his wife Christy Rutledge, and a book called Happiness Isn't Funny available on Amazon. He's too good of a comedian to be on this podcast and to have taken KC on the road with him. Follow him on Twitter and Instagram at GabeRutledge. For full-length interviews with video, join KC's Patreon at patreon.com slash theekcmclean. I've been, I've been uh, constantly touring for 15-plus mm-hmm. years. And, like, so that part is, like, it's actually been sort of nice to be home. And, yeah. you know, that's... I say on stage, I, uh, and by stage, I mean this room sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I say, uh, I used to miss my kids when I traveled, and now I miss missing my kids. Uh, <laughs> you have a great joke, which, by the way, we got to talk about your album. That's the, but you, I love this joke where you say, uh, is it on this album where you go, uh, when I'm on the road, I miss my kids, uh, or my, I miss my family, not the first day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's such on a there. fucking funny joke. <laughs> Uh, I said that on the radio once and I'm like, Oh, I got to keep that. That's fucking so funny. <laughs> uh, but it's, 
it's uh, like I not I find myself, and you know, you were at a different level than me, and you already had a day job and everything. But mm-hmm. like, as far as like, I've had this vague, undefined motivation for most of my adult life, which was get better at comedy. It's mm-hmm. very not specific. It's very you know, open-ended. I don't, you know what I mean? But it's like the overall thing was get better at comedy. And like, I don't have that right now. Like, I'm not thinking about stand-up comedy that often. I'm not doing it enough to be writing a ton. Right. And it's just weird to like, uh, it's almost like, I mean, have you felt that at all? Have you felt like, you know what I mean? This is the new version of me. Uh, I have the thing where it's like, um, and this is going to sound like, not great but i'm like i can't have a life where i just work to like like i work to be able to do stand-up comedy and stuff like that right and it's like what is i'm not saying that stand-up comedy has to be it it hasn't always been it i would like it to be it i really enjoy stand-up comedy but it can't just be i work i come home to my family and that's it for me so that there's something missing yeah but i also like uh I feel good when I hear someone like you say that you're like not writing a ton because I feel guilty that it's like I've always been like if I had more time, I would write more. Now I have a ton of time, but it's like your life is under you're kind of like in constant fear of like dread of doom uh, a little bit at least. Right. Like I stopped for a while. I would like wake up, pull up the data, go, go to bed. I'd look at the data before I went to bed. I would be, you know, working out like these statistical models on my computer and uh, looking at like, you know, changes and different stats over the course of the days. And then I realized after I hadn't done that in about three weeks, I didn't even realize that I hadn't been doing it. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm fucking depressed. And that's the cause is all of this like existential dread. And I'm not. No, absolutely. I'm not writing. Uh, If I thought the first Zoom show I did. I was like, this is good enough that I could write for it. I think you might have even said that to me. Like you could, yeah. We you, you, like you could actually develop some material on there. You can try a joke and see if people like, right? It, you know, <laughs> and it's like you know, it's like no worse than doing it at a bad open mic. And how much right. material have you or I developed at a bad open mic? A lot, right? A ton, yeah. But I had reached a point in comedy where the vast majority of my shows were not bad open mics. And, uh, I don't, I don't think that I, I guess I'm not that kind of an addict where I can, I can go back to that. Like, I don't feel any need to go back to that as like the primary thing yet. Right. We've all, we also talked last time about how everybody's going down the totem pole, at least one, one rung. And I think that's been true, right? Like we've seen like Bill Burr is doing comedy clubs at partial capacity. D.L. Ugly is at the same club you were performing at a couple, you know, a couple months ago. Yeah, for sure. And that part actually surprised me. I thought, oh, none of these big names are going to do it because they're, they won't have enough money to pay Mm -hmm. them. But I think they just don't care. They're like, I got to do something. (laughs) I think they're all kind of, the one, the one thing that I do feel and why I think the zoom shows were helpful is I was, I think the Thursday show was a little bumpy for me the weekend that I did. But, uh, like Friday, I felt like almost back. And I think that after having done the zoom shows and realizing how much I had forgotten my material, I did like, I probably did eight zoom shows and I went through almost all of my material, uh, 
probably almost all of my material twice. There's yeah. one one joke I know I didn't do twice. Uh, by the way, a joke that's probably a little touchy right now. If uh, in this other, it, by the way, we haven't even mentioned that, but there's like a race war going on that wasn't <laughs> around when we last talked. And I have a joke that's like racial but not racist. And uh, right. I think that joke's probably on the shelf for a while, which sucks because it's like nine minutes long. Oh man! <laughs> uh, but uh, I don't think. I mean, maybe it'll come back. Maybe it'll be fine. But. Um, yeah, that's the the one thing I will say is like just the dre- like the stress of trying to remember my material has been enough on like not trying to I've written like a couple new jokes that are just like anytime I have like a quarantine related joke, I just like let's just get that shit on the internet. I don't need to ever do yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. And I I have written a few things, but it was definitely by accident. Mhm. You know, which is how most of my jokes are written. But <laughs> it, meaning I didn't sit down and try to think of them. It just something came up or whatever but it is it's uh yeah it's just it, i also think uh, maybe it's because things are reopening or maybe it's just fatigue but i uh i think zoom comedy's done like i don't people don't want to do it anymore like yeah. i and it's it's of course it's very hard to promote to the same group of people over and over again to watch you perform mostly the same jokes over and over right. again but it's like i you know uh in the beginning, the numbers were really big as far as mm-hmm. people watching the Zoom shows. In the last few I've done, I, I did one with, uh, I mean, these are not certainly uh, household names, but they're definitely Northwest comedy names. I did one with uh, uh, Kermit Apio and mm-hmm. Dwight Slade and Don Friesen, who's not Northwest. But it's like I was the least experienced comic on there at almost wow. 20 years. I mean, that's, and, you know, we had 23 people. Oh, Do you man. know what I mean? It's like, I think people are just like, yeah, I did that, but, you know. <laughs> I can't, I mean, I love it as a, I think about this too with like, in comedy, there's so many producers, people that produce shows that you're like, there's no way this is gratifying for you in a way, you're not getting out of this what I'm getting yeah. out of this, and I don't know why you're doing it, because I almost don't want to do it. The thing you're like doing, and you're doing the shitty part of it, right? Like you're not yeah. getting the joy of performing that I'm getting from it, and I kind of feel that way with Zoom audience members, where I'm like, "Thank you for being there," but I don't know why you're there. Like I don't know why you don't just turn on Netflix and watch a comedy special or watch clips or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but thank you for doing it. Anybody out there that's oh, absolutely. sat through a Zoom show because we that's the only thing that makes them palatable at all is having six people laughing. It's like, oh, God, this is like, you know, it's a little methadone to the heroin. But uh, Oh, for sure. It is. That is an excellent comparison, actually. It's Zoom comedy is methadone comedy. <laughs> but I, I was doing all these, I guess, April, trying to figure out how time works again. I think it was April. I did a bunch. I did a bunch. I got in with this weird corporation I won't name that, like, I did, like, I don't know, five or six, maybe seven Zoom comedy shows, which was great money-wise. But it was one of them. (laughs) One of This is my lowest point probably of the whole quarantine, whatever we're calling this, is one of them. It was about 15 people, and all of them were muted. Oh, no. And it's I'm just telling my jokes to like smiles. And one guy was driving 
one guy was shopping. He's like buying eggs. And I'm like, I don't, you know, I miss my kids. Not the first day. You know, it's just, <laughs> it was so, I is humiliating the right word? It felt humiliating. Just yeah. like, you know, it was like, it wasn't, there was no closeness. There was no, uh, there was no intimacy between uh, audience and performer. It was just like recite some jokes for 40 minutes Mm -hmm. and we will give you $400, which don't get me wrong. I'd do that today if that was the deal again. But it's just like, it just, I'm just like, is this what terrible, is this what comedy is now? You know, it it just felt so bad. Uh, I I did one where a guy was just walking around Seattle, uh, not shopping, just like walking the streets. I, I'm also like in my mind, I'm like, he's got this, his phone's got to be just on fire in his pocket because he's like, it's like you're like in his pocket, True. or it's uh, or it's like you see just the sky. I don't even know if he's looking at it or not. And uh, on the same one, it was a man and a woman, and they just walked out of the room, like we're not. They just like they, oh, yeah. so you just had like a blank couch for thirty minutes. <laughs> I did one where. It was a husband and wife, and they were on their front porch. And for a second, I thought, because I always change it so I'm not the big face, because that drives mm-hmm. me crazy. I want to see everyone. Yeah. And I thought, I'm like, are they waving at me? Because they're like, and then I realized, <laughs> oh, they're just waving at their neighbor who's walking by. <laughs> well, the so other like... thing that's funny is, because I've been on like a the semi-production side of a couple of these Zoom shows on accident, is... um. A lot of times it's set up so that the audience can't see the other people, but then yeah. the the comic will start addressing a specific person mm-hmm. as though everybody has the same view as they do, and then it's not going well because the other people don't get what you're saying, like why yeah. what you're saying is funny, and it's really, I don't know how to be like, they can't fucking see you, dude, they can't fucking see you, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Yeah, I know, but at the same time, it, it is better than nothing, but it's like, I don't know, now we're in this it's sort of like things are kind of opening up again. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I do, I don't know. I kind of felt like the last few I did were like, I think this might be kind of done mm-hmm. as a popular option anymore. Well, so that's, you've uh, had the, the misfortune of going from touring a uh, national headliner to uh, doing zoom comedy shows in your daughter's bedroom. <laughs> But that was not the beginning of your 2019-2020 misfortune. <laughs> you know, it feels bad when you put it so succinctly like that. <laughs> when did when yeah. did you do the first attempt at recording your album? Um, I would say um I think March 2018. Oh my god. Is March this... 2018 I d- I recorded some stuff and then uh was this in uh, Arizona? Yeah. Okay. Oh, that means it that means it was earlier. I think like January 2018. And then I was like, man, maybe I'm not quite ready and I don't love the recording. And then I did a bunch of recordings in March that I thought would uh be the album that didn't work out. So it ended up I didn't record it till December 2019. Uh, so like uh, I I kind of want to go down the the full timeline if you're okay with okay, if, sure. it, if it doesn't give you PTSD. No, it's uh, fine. So you do the Arizona one. I thought it was a pretty cool idea and ambitious project, which is like some video, uh, call it a special, call it not a special, whatever, uh, two clubs. Uh, yeah. 
Laugh. What's the place called? Laugh. Laughs. Line? Laughs in Tucson. Laughs in Tucson. Uh, the I saw you sent me some of the video. It looked fucking beautiful. Yeah. Uh, and then the <laughs> audio recording didn't work out. Um, and I, and I like. I mean, we're, fr- we're. I think we're both friends with the uh, guy that. I mean, I'm still friends with him. I don't know if you are, but <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, it, Mike... so I don't want to. I don't want to trash him in any way. I just. Uh, it didn't work out in. Uh, in no, the... and I didn't pay him either. He was like, oh, I sure. want to try and do this. And I'm like, yeah, let's try and do it. You know, he was trying to learn it, but it just like one of the, some of the sound on one of them got weird, and then one of the cameras and a different one, uh, wasn't working. So it right. just didn't, uh, it didn't exactly work out. You know what I? And those, you know, all, it depends what you. I think comics get a little bit. I get hung up on, like, the new album I have right now that's coming out very soon don't get me wrong it's good you should buy it i listen to it and i'm like yeah it's that's me talking that's people laughing what else do you need in a comedy album mm-hmm. but is it's one of those things where like was that one of my top 10 shows of the year no right do you know but that doesn't that's on that's all our bullshit i really do feel that way do you know mm-hmm. what i mean i i feel like it's uh so it was disappointing that some of that stuff didn't work out but oh there was another time i tried to record in uh Victoria. Yeah, that's what I was, I was going to bring that one up. I didn't yeah. forget that one <laughs> because because uh, I actually thought the audio that I heard from the Victoria. Because and the other thing is, I uh, with the guy that we're talking about have attempted to like salvage. I think all three of these recordings at different <laughs> points. <laughs> yeah, and I thought that the Victoria one was like the crowd was sounded fucking amazing. Uh, yeah. And I don't, I've never been to that room. I guess I've never been to the, the Tucson one either. But the the crowd in Victoria sounded like right on top of you and yeah. low ceilings. And uh, I know that you recorded it at Spokane Comedy Club, which is a beautiful club. And I love it. It might be my favorite club that I've uh, worked. But it's it's a, in a warehouse. Like it's, it's big. Very, it, yeah. You know, but really the recording, I mean, we're, I'm sort of talking shit, but the recording, it sounds like a theater is what it sounds right. like. It, and it's, you know, it, it's thanks to you, I should say, because I had a, a bunch of different microphones and stuff, but you're the one who turned it into listenable. <laughs> so I, I do appreciate that. And uh, it is good. I mean, but it's also, it's just this long, I think the thing I'm kind of bummed about is I lost about 10 minutes. Oh, really? Of, of material because by the time it was, I'm going to try to record again in December, it was like, I can't do a lot of these jokes anymore that mm-hmm. I thought were like for the album. Yeah. You know, of course, the good news is when I look back at most of my albums, if they're like, whatever, 50 to 60 minutes, I go, 23 of that was good and the rest was bullshit. So maybe I got rid of 10 of bullshit. You know what I mean? Yeah. What's that? I know that this is like a classic, classic male analogy, but uh, I believe it is Coco Chanel uh, said that, like, the way to look fashionable is when when you're walking out the door, look in the mirror, and take one thing off, and that's, like, that's better than putting one extra thing on. Uh, I believe I got that via another classic male reference Alex Gornichelli on the Food Network, I believe, was the... uh, um, You've changed, man. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, I think, like, you know, what that sucks. It sucks. I also, like, I kind of feel the... uh, 
I was trying to record a much, much less ambitious thing, but like I didn't get the sets that I wanted out of some kid material. And then, uh, the one show that I got, like the good recording that I wanted, the camera was fucked up and the audio was bad. So it's like, can't even be released as anything, right? Like it's the... so hard to get that magic combination. Of, yeah. Uh, and I, I do, I wish I had more video, but it, it is, it's also, uh, I'm happy to have it to put out. I mean, mm -hmm. just because. Well, that's the know. other thing, right? It's like you, while you got unlucky in so many ways, at least you got it recorded before yes. this. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And it's, it's, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, 61 minutes of, you know, maybe seven or eight laughs a minute. So it's like, I don't know what, you know, I, of course there are a few of those recordings had a little more energy. They had a little more, but you know, I listen to comedy almost, I almost listen to the audience more than I, even when it's not me. Mm-hmm. I'm listening to the audience and I don't I don't think most people are as insane as comedians are. You know yeah, what I mean? That's absolutely true. Comedians are so precious about that stuff. You and I yeah. have multiple occasions where you're like, Can you mix the can you mix the crowd a little hotter? Because, like yeah. uh, cause like my preference is like I'm a big uh audio uh I guess we're going to see, I'm not going to use the word. I was going to say the C word. I don't know if this is that kind of podcast. Uh, I'm a very picky person about audio. This is the first episode of the podcast. That it, will, it will. I become. mean, save the C word for episode five. I mean, <laughs> that's for Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I am like, you know, almost wanted to sound like a studio recording if possible. And I, that's just the audio side of me. Cause I've never had to mix my own album where I'm going like, I got to get these laughs a little hotter, you know, like to make it sound like it did in the room to feel like it did in the room. Right. Cause that's yes. always the hardest thing is like to make it feel like it feels in the room as an audience member, you almost have to bring the, the laughs up to a point that it like fucks up the, the line level yes. mic. Cause I, I really do believe, especially in that room, that room can feel amazing. And if you played the recording, it sounds like very echoey and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, and it's it, yeah. I I totally agree with that. Is that that's exactly what I try to do? Is I'm like, well, it didn't feel like this in the room. Make it sound like it felt, mm -hmm. and that's not that's a weird, you know, that's a weird uh, that's a weird goal to have. But it's it's uh, yeah, it's uh, the one of the reasons I wanted the hecklers one to work is because it's kind of an inside baseball title. But that that club. And it call, it's called Hecklers in Victoria, B.C., and I wanted to call the album Comedian Destroys Hecklers. Oh, that's funny. Just for, like, it's corny. But, yeah. uh, <clears throat> but uh, you know, it's okay. Didn't happen. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm kind of glad it's coming out now, even though it probably would have come out six months ago. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, it's called uh, Good Luck in Court, by the way. Speaking of uh, white privilege. <laughs> um <laughs> I was gonna. It's it's uh, we had a. I thought so that I can't. I've never had more involvement in the creation. Of I'm so album. sorry about that. <laughs> no, it's okay. I've liked it. First off, I mean, uh, you're a comedian that I admire. I'm happy to be involved with it. I've uh, I've learned a lot, uh, which sounds like a backhanded insult. It sounds like <laughs> I, that doesn't sound like a, 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 a that is an um. But I, I'm saying, like, I've learned a lot about the creation of an album and how difficult it is through the struggles that you've had. Uh, also, 
I did like the mixing, but I just sent you with a bag of microphones to Spokane, and yeah. you set it all up. You and and maybe uh, Luke Severide, or maybe not Luke yeah. Severide, set it up uh, yourselves. So like, there's uh, yeah, the, I mean, tons of challenges, and then you go. It's called Good Luck in Court. You have graphics made for it, and then the world uh, devolves into riots over this. Like justifiably, I mean, you and I are on yes, the post, of on this, but it's like. It's like the uh, injustice or the uh, disparity in justice between black and white people, and your album cover is going to be you in a courtroom. <laughs> it's literally like people are literally like, give this cause because because the court system is so stilted against African Americans, and I'm here's me on a cover. <laughs> give me ten bucks for this yeah. empty courtroom that I'm. Probably it, a presumed innocent in. <laughs> wouldn't it be funny if I got arrested? Can you imagine? <laughs> I mean, look how white I am. Oh my god! <laughs> it's just—I mean, it's—it's so, it's like I mean, I—I I certainly think uh, that anyone that hears the joke is going to understand that that is nothing. Well, that's to do. why I asked your advice on it, <laughs> and you were like, "Well, you should use that joke in the promo." I'm like, "Good idea, good idea." It's it's a little <laughs> bit of uh, giving the, it's like giving the climax of the movie away in the <laughs> yeah. in the trailer, but I think that that's just not the way that albums work. Uh, I don't. I've never listened to an album and have been like, "When's he gonna like a." Gary yeah. Goldman, I'm like, when's he going to do that Karate Kid bit? It's just like, oh, here's the great bits on this album. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's fine, and I you know, I will be doing more promo when it actually comes out, but no one said anything oh, as good. far as, yeah, I haven't gotten any blowback, and even if I do, it's just, you know, I'm not known for my timing offstage. <laughs> uh, I, I kind of have a long history of, like, being too late, too early, saying yes. When oh, I should have said no, reminded. saying no when I should have said yes. You were supposed you know. to record a dry bar in March. I was, yeah, 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 yeah. I was supposed to record a dry bar in March, but don't, don't, don't bury the lead. I said no two times previous. <laughs> you, so, so you said let's maybe we should. Uh, you said no, yeah, and then. They were like kind of successful, and then you said no, and they were getting millions and millions and millions of views and becoming maybe the best promotional tool in comedy. Yeah, the first time I said no, it was real early, mm -hmm. and no one had seen any of them. But it was like I know a couple of people who taped these dry bar things, and I was just like, okay, it's a company that's being sued by movie studios because they're they're uh, editing. Hollywood movies to make them family friendly. It's like a Mormon company. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, that's a strike one and a half already. And then it was like, it was like family friendly. I'm like, eh. like I can be clean, but I'm like, eh. and then I was, so if, I was like, okay, when your goal is like finally comedy Mormons can enjoy, I'm like, no, no thanks. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I just don't, I don't really want to do that. And then I saw people get popular from it. And I thought, well, even if I got popular from that, what if they came to see me and then I'm whatever, R-rated, PG-13 rated. They're going to be like, wow, what is this? And then people started telling me the money they made. And I'm like, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> and then coronavirus came. Uh, and uh, my dry bar taping never happened. It, I mean, it's, you know, supposedly going to happen sometime in the future. But uh, we'll see. And I almost forgot about that. That was supposed, that was in March. I was, mm -hmm. I was like two weeks away from taping that 
Yeah, because um, uh, and you were there was a show in Tacoma that I was loosely involved with that I booked you on, and that was maybe the last involvement that I had in it. Uh, and that got canceled. I don't know if that's ever going to happen. The guy, the other guy producing, is moving to Texas. Wait, uh, what show was that? It was at um, Essence. Uh, oh Essence yeah. Lounge. Yep. Yep. Uh, which I had to be on your calendar for like three days before the world I shut down. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like, <laughs> I keep I do a theater show in Olympia. It was supposed to be like <laughs> March twelfth or something, and then it was going to be like last week, June twenty first. Now it's it's January thirtieth. We'll see. Wow. You know, it's it's it's. Uh, but that's everything, and that's everybody. But it's just it's it's a weird it's weird because it's like like you said, everyone's kind of back to like if not. We're not back to square zero. Zero is not a square, but not back <laughs> to the beginning. But, but it's like we're all kind of no one's really making a ton of money performing comedy right now. And at first, that made me feel better. But it's also like it just makes me realize I didn't have, you know, I don't have like, oh, I'll just lean on my podcast and make all my money right. from that. And you know, what I mean, I didn't have the online presence uh, before, and it's like, so it's uh, you know. Like I said, day to day, things are fine. Everyone's healthy. I thought this would be a financial challenge. So far, it hasn't been. It's just been a, a staying useful challenge. Yeah. But uh, I'm. I still haven't got unemployment. It's. Oh really? Un- I mean, it's pending. My wife has, and I, you know, I uh, deliver groceries. Uh, some not full time, but enough to, you know, we need the money, and I need to get out of the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. You know, it's like I said, day to day, everything's fine. But it's like sometimes when you think about, you know, things that I used to want, uh, I guess I still do. But like, oh, I want a late night TV credit. That seems like you have to take a spaceship to a different planet to do a late night credit right now. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's just like all those goals like that are just like, when are we even going to start thinking about things like that again? You know? Yeah, I kind of, I mean, I wonder, like, I think maybe we talked about this. Uh, we've definitely talked about something like this, I think, off of a podcast. But, like, those late night shows are all just in their living rooms now. Yeah. And what we've, I think what this this whole thing has done and how stand-up comedy falls into this, we'll find out, I suppose. But it's, uh, it's stripped away 100% of the bullshit, like, bureaucracy. Mm-hmm. And it's, like... And I and uh so like if Jimmy Fallon can do a show um in his living room, why can't Casey McClain do a show in his living room? Like if that's the new standard, yeah. then like I have all the shit to do that. You have all the shit to do that. Like, yeah, maybe you don't have a team of writers behind you, but you got one writer that's like probably better than Jimmy Fallon, if we're being honest. Uh uh, and then also like, you know, that's the comedy related. And then it's like, now you can drink alcohol on the streets. And <laughs> it's like, yeah, well, yeah, how many, yeah. like they, if you want to like get it, like, dr- like just pull everything back to comedy. It's like, if I can drink alcohol on the streets, do I really need to go into a club to do it? You know what I mean? I don't know. I, I mean, I really hope it's like all just game theory trying to figure out how people yeah. will react. You and I, uh, I was like completely shocked at how, uh, like it wasn't a swarm to buy tickets for the weekend that I did. Um, the crowds were like not sold out at 35% capacity. Yeah. Either were mine in Appleton. Right. Uh, well, I think one, we had one show that was like the 35% 
sell out or whatever, but it's, mm-hmm. yeah, people are, some people are like, I don't care. I need to go out. <clears throat> Most people are still being pretty cautious. I also like, uh, uh, I've thought about what a comedy album is going to sound like. And you might have one of the last comedy albums for a while that's recorded in front of a capacity crowd. Yeah, I know. I know. What's the special going to look like? I mean, that Chappelle shit, I didn't watch it actually, but it's like out in a field, right? It's out in a field and there is an audience, but they're not miked. You can, oh, well, wow. first of all, it's not particularly funny and that's right. not a criticism. It's not, not really to supposed to be, you know, but it's like they, they, they show people out in the, it's outdoors with an unmiked crowd. You can barely hear them, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, you've, I've, I put up a uh, zoom clips too and it's like, because it's like, I guess this is what we put up now, but it's also like, let's say we were in a comedy club. If we got that level of laughter in a comedy club, we'd be like, I don't want anyone to see this footage, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's funny. So you said a thing about Zoom earlier uh, that I want to talk about because you were talking about how you bring it up so that you see everybody on yeah. there. And I I get very uh, precious when somebody talks about uh, the, like, if anyone's like, I get like I remember I did a show once and I did like pretty well, and the producer of the show was like, "You'll get him next time," and to this day I don't know if he was being sarcastic or not, and I fucking hate him for it. I mean, I'd still I, work with him, but I just like it's it. kind. I think he was being sarcastic. That's kind of like like if you really destroy, they'll be like, "When are you going up?" You know what I mean? Like one yeah. of those. It's, I think it was. It sounds like that. Yeah, <laughs> but also like, I yeah, you know, like your ego won't let you yes. give it hundred percent of that, so. I'm doing this, uh, I I recorded a Zoom show to send to another comic, not to be like, this is good, this is, uh, please share this, you know, please book me, none of that, it was just like, this is what a Zoom show can be like, if you're curious, because you can hear the audience, right? Yeah. And he goes, oh yeah, did you see that, uh, black lady not responding to you the whole show, like she didn't, uh, and I'm like, so... I'm in my, he he says this like, while I'm busy, I don't have, I fucking ruined myself for four hours. Like this lady, he's like, yeah, she just like never responded. She just had like a shitty smirk on her face the whole time I go, I pull up the video. It's a still shot of a woman. It's not even. (laughs) (laughs) So this guy's misunderstanding of technology ruined my day. Yeah. And so I think uh... that. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, first time on stage, real stage. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you experienced this, but I was like, I could finally do this. Like, <laughs> be- because Zoom is like what we're doing right now, right in front of each other. And like, I'm like, oh, I'm panning the audience like the old days. You know what I mean? And when yeah. I first started doing Zoom, I would do that out of instinct. But there's <laughs> there's no one there. It's my daughter's <laughs> desk. It looks like you're just like, what a mess this place is. Oh, my God. It's (laughs) the sewing machine on my daughter's desk she hasn't used since the day after Christmas. (laughs) Oh, great. A comedian getting serious instead of writing jokes. Joy to the world. All right, so part of this podcast uh, is that in addition to what I hope are funny interviews and funny uh, funny things that I'm saying, I like to talk about serious topics some of the time. Not all the time, 
Most of the time, I don't like to talk about serious topics, but I think that it is uh, important to talk about them right now. First off, uh, we've somehow politicized. At the beginning of the pandemic, did you guys feel like maybe this would actually be a thing that united us? Like, I don't like Donald Trump, um, which is an, a very easy thing to say where I'm from. Nobody, I mean, Washington State, especially the part of Washington State that I'm from, is very blue. But I just burped on the microphone in the serious segment. Uh, honestly, like, if this country could unite if it's like Donald Trump had an opportunity to unite this country in a way that could have saved hundreds of thousands of lives. Unfortunately, this is a, this is a a comparison I will make. I think Donald Trump, I'm going to make a crazy comparison. It's not going to be a popular one. It's sports, sports related. That's the only way my brain works is to make sports comparisons. And right now there's no sports to even talk about. Cam Newton signed with the Patriots, and that's it. Uh, Early baseball analytics operated kind of in their, like, they were like perfect experiments because the players rejected analytics. They did not change their behavior in the early stages because of what analytics said. And they weren't incentivized to because teams didn't value that stuff, right? If... Analytics said that walks were more valuable than teams were paying for walks. If uh, if they said that that would make a player more valuable if he walked more instead of striking out as much as he did or whatever, or that if he hit for more power and less contact, players didn't give a shit about analytics. And then they started to become aware of analytics. Analytics became kind of this like uh, chic thing in baseball. It was uh, a trophy to have an analytics department. And suddenly teams started paying players for excelling in these advanced ways. And a guy that I would say, Phil Hughes, was a decent pitcher, Yankees prospect. And then I think in Atlanta, to me it seemed like Phil Hughes realized the teams wanted to see guys that struck a lot of batters out and didn't walk those guys. Uh, so he just started throwing a whole bunch of, uh, a whole bunch of strikes whole bunch of fat pitches that were easy to hit and he got hit like crazy. But every year it looked like Phil Hughes is on the verge of a breakout because these peripheral numbers point to Phil Hughes actually being better than his, his uh, numbers suggest. And so Phil Hughes, in my opinion, without any evidence, like a true journalist, <laughs> Phil Hughes game, the system, he realized what was getting people paid and game the system and got paid handsomely in his career uh, without actually ever being maybe that good of a pitcher. And the, the reason Phil Hughes had perverse incentives is because we made it very clear what would get him rewarded. And I think that's kind of what we've done with Donald Trump in this case is in this country, we have not rewarded people. We don't give it, we don't even trust that our, like, and I'm not even saying we're right or wrong, by the way, but like the Department of Homeland Security is viewed as exclusively to infringe on the rights 
of Americans by a lot of people. And you'll never get credit as a president or whatever for what you prevent. So we didn't, we, and Donald Trump may be more acutely aware of, more acutely aware of and desperate for praise uh, than any president in the history of America. And so we gave him this perverse incentive to like be the the rallying cry was always going to be reopening the economy. The tough decision is to not do that. That's I, I'm actually very impressed with, and my conservative dad is impressed with Jay Inslee, which means he's a Washington State's governor. If you're listening from outside Washington State, uh, and you weren't aware of his short-lived and kind of embarrassing presidential campaign, uh. I've, my da- my conservative dad's impressed with Jay Inslee because he made tough decisions early. And we've not given Donald Trump any reason to do that. And arguably, we haven't given any president for a long time uh, with the 24-hour news cycle and these uh, slanted media channels. He's, you know, Barack Obama, George Bush... Donald Trump, were it Hillary Clinton, they were going to get trashed regardless of the decision they made. And maybe just because he's so aware of how to game the algorithm, uh, Donald Trump is the worst president we could have had, which is not, I'm not breaking news. I'm just, I have a different reason why uh, than a lot of people. This narcissistic host thinks you, the audience, wants to hear about inside comedy. I said earlier in the episode that I did stand-up comedy on my birthday and it was invigorating. Uh, I hadn't done comedy. It was three months to the day, March 11th to June 11th, in person. I did, I think eight zoom shows, maybe less than that, uh, with mixed results. And it was so fun to be back and it was so addictive feeling. I've, I haven't stopped thinking about how good it felt. I've been trying to figure out ways to get to do it more often because here's the other thing, even in, I mean, I live in Tacoma. We have a comedy club in Tacoma that's open. We have one operating open mic right now. There is so little stage time and so many comedians that are dying to get on stage. Uh, my past podcast comedians in quarantine. I talked to, uh, this podcast guest, Gabriel Rutledge, but also everybody or a lot of the guests on the, on the podcast about how, uh, everyone was gonna, there's going to be this rush for stage time. And we're all going down at least one rung on the totem pole. And we did. I mean, I think that's exactly what has happened. And uh, what's interesting is in other comedy scenes, I haven't seen it in Seattle, but in other comedy scenes, there's been this rush to moralize performing or not performing stand-up comedy. And almost without any regard for the 
context in which comedy is performed. Because I think like a tight room packed in right now sounds horrifying. It sounds like a death trap. Uh, I think that a large room spread out, people's temperature being taken, uh, staff wearing masks. This is all the the uh, circumstance at Tacoma Comedy Club. Um, that's feels safer. And then there's some places where people are performing in truck beds and in parking lots, uh, outdoors. And what we've learned is that the transmission of COVID is severely reduced outside, but we haven't adjusted our moralization of performing for that. So people are just, uh, out for blood and I'm always skeptical when people are out for blood if they could possibly be gaining from that. If it's cutting off a segment of their community so that they uh, are elevated in status or whatever. And this is like the perfect... Uh, first off, most comedians are are liberal. Most comedians, uh, I think certainly believe that COVID is real. Also, I, it seem I would, it just stands to reason that a remarkable percentage of comedians have to have antibodies compared to the rest of the country, because we do so many things that are, uh, potentially d disease spreading. Uh, and I'm not even talking about, uh, illicit sexual encounters that some comedians have, not me. I'm a boring old married guy but um we you know share a microphone my last gig before june 11th i've talked about it ad nauseum but uh my last gig was on a show with six people i was the third to go up but the night before that same microphone was touched by potentially 20 people and the night before that by like 40 people uh for open mics and these these uh large showcases and so and then you know like if you're selling merch or i was taking emails for the show uh that i do called master debater it's called a comedy club uh on march 8th and letting people use pens shaking hands i hugged every comic on the show uh when you're selling merch or taking pictures with people you got arms around you arms around audience members shaking hands, uh, high-fiving, just like every possible way you could imagine spreading disease, comedy seems to uh, participate in. And so I just, to me, we have to, throughout this, we have to stop moralizing every, like moralizing without uh revisiting in comedy in life in whatever because we create these incentives we create these vacuums right where there's like oh we're gonna punish this you know uh somebody did a joke 25 years ago that was offensive uh or did a joke today that was offensive well now there's a vacuum that's opened up and we can dump oh uh jimmy fallon did a did a bit a sketch 20 years ago that uh, several writers contributed to and Lord Michael signed off on, but fuck Jimmy Fallon or uh, Shane Gillis or the Waynes brothers or whatever. These like 
and we we can't like never ju- we can't always just uh we can't let I me mean, how do I why, why can't I speak today well I said it. it's because I got four hours of sleep I have a 10 month old daughter and uh crippling anxiety right now but we have to constantly revisit and uh revisit our priors right like that's that's the way society will move forward in everything, right? This isn't just in comedy. We, we, it's so stupid to talk about just comedy. Um, that being said, I had a video. It did not go viral by any means, but I had a video receive the most views that I've ever had a video receive. Uh, on Comedy Juices. Comedy Juice is a web platform that, and a series of shows around the country that... Uh, it's run by Steve Hofstetter, and they they post people stand-up clips, which is very exciting for me. I haven't had a ton of success in comedy, so it's up to 25,000 views. Go check out Comedy Juice. Uh, scroll down. My joke is about having a child. They used a better title than I have on my YouTube channel for it. They called it Babies Are Stupid. I called it We Had a Baby because I didn't want to give away the Babies Are Stupid punchline. But they're right. I agree with them. 25,000 views. Handful of likes. Uh, I did get stressed out, by the way, because there's a line, the first line, or at least the first couple punchlines, there's like one slightly insensitive joke. And it's funny because when there's 400 people watching it, I'm like, ah, who gives a shit? It's funny. And then when it's, I know it's going to be upwards of, uh, 20 or 30,000 people. I'm like, is anyone going to get mad? But overwhelmingly positive feedback. I, uh, I did, uh, allow myself. So they posted on comedy juice has a bunch of pages. They have regional pages. They clearly own a couple of other pages that aren't, uh, explicitly attached to comedy juice. And I, check the feedback on every single page they posted it on because I'm a psychopath and uh, literally every reaction on Facebook was a like a heart, a laugh emoji. The one where the, the emojis hugging the heart for some reason, uh, every single reaction was good except there was one angry face. And then one moment where I took something as an insult and my wife read it and she's like, I think they're just joking also. I think they're like tagging your joke. And I was like, oh, okay. I let it ruin my morning. Comedians are uh, not great people to uh, to uh, have rational opinions and discussions about emotions with, I don't think. This podcast is mercifully almost over. All right. That's going to be the podcast. Uh, Thank you for listening. Thank you. It's the first one. Please tell your friends, subscribe, uh, review us on Apple podcasts, uh, five stars, please. There will be go to patreon.com slash DKC McLean. Uh, 
full-length interview and video of the full-length interview all up at patreon.com slash the Casey McLean. The reason it's the Casey McLean and not nobody likes Casey McLean is because there's going to be benefits to the, uh, there's going to be benefits for, uh, people who maybe don't find it through this podcast, but thank you again. Please. If you, if you like this podcast, share it with a friend, uh, a loved one, a coworker, an enemy, Follow Gabriel Rutledge at Gabe Rutledge, I think, across all social media by his album, Good Luck in Court. I hope you enjoyed the conversation about him panicking about the name. I thought that was a, a fun a fun conversation. Also something, by the way, too political to boost on Facebook. I wanted to boost that clip to get it uh, to have a lot of people listen to this podcast. And uh, too political. That is That is too political for Facebook's algorithm. Uh, I don't know how all these Russian bots get through if I can't talk to Gabe about his uh, about his stupid comedy album. So, all right, thank you guys. Follow me on Twitter at the Casey McLean. Stand updates at thecaseymclean.com slash calendar. I will talk to you again next week. Mm-hmm.